0: Welcome to this edition of Mountain Talk Monday. I'm your host, Kelly Haywood, and today I'm in the studio with the director of the Minds to Minds program, Sean Lynn. And Minds to Minds is an Apple Shop and Southeast Community and Technical College collaboration to help retrain. The goal is that coal miners would be involved, but it's open to everyone to do work, in the tech industry, thinking of technology as being an option to transition our economy, diversify our economy for the future. And it is already happening. We have seen that with the success of companies like BitSource and Mountain Tech Media. And minds to minds is going to add to those opportunities. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. So could you describe a little bit about what Mons to Minds is?
1: Well, you summed it up pretty well. But So we are working really closely with several employers, and they told us what their needs were, what their growth was going to be. And so between Apple Shop and Southeast Community and Technical College, we developed some curriculum and training to fulfill those needs of the employers. And so what we're doing is actually training individuals at the college and then we will give them on the job training at the employers. And the employers all signed up for this. And so they will have hands-on experience doing exactly what they will be doing once they're hired. One, they're not going into the job without any training. They are getting some training in the classroom and then they're getting to the job to test it out and learn more. And then they're going to be Full time doing it.
0: I believe I read it. it would be a six month apprenticeship that they get with the employers, or yes, is that correct? So after that six months, are they guaranteed hire?
1: Well, I mean, of course, you're never guaranteed guaranteed. I mean, if you don't show up for work, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, and you back talk to the supervisor, they are not going to hire you, and they will probably fire you from the internship. But as long as you engage, you do what you're supposed to do, and You progress in your learning and your training, everyone's pretty much on board to hire. There was one employer that said, we cannot guarantee hires, but we'll give you an interview. And they completely understand that with the experience that they're getting, they're probably going to get it.
0: Could we maybe mention some of the employers that are involved?
1: Yeah. So we have Mountain Tech Media and they're located in Whitesburg, but they do some remote work in other places. And then we have Pine Mountain Settlement School over in Harlan County. And then we have Kentucky River Community Care. That may take place in Perry County, might be a little bit in Wolf County or Breathitt County. They're in the middle of shifting offices around, so I can't tell you exactly where someone might end up. Then we're also going to be working with Appalachian Regional Hospital. And they currently said four locations, but if there's a need, I might be able to open up Bell County as a fifth location.
0: Those, especially ARH, would be some pretty big employers in our region. We're talking tech. What types of jobs are they training for?
1: Well, they're going to be building skills to work with different internet and getting servers and routers and switches, keeping the whole IT infrastructure working. That's one area. So that includes making sure the computers are working. Oh, this button is not working. Oh, this person's going to come and fix it. So that's lots and lots of options there. The other one is going to be a combination of like a creative communications, marketing, and branding types thing, building different multimedia tools. With everyone on their phones and stuff, they'll stop and pay attention to the items that are of more interest, such as videos or pictures or whatever. If it's a bad picture, they'll just scroll right by. So building some of those skills and the communications that go along with that, being able to develop posters and brochures is always helpful. So it's a very rounded uh, education in either department. that's why the -the on-the-job training specializes them. So in particular, Mountain Tech Media will be looking a lot towards like website and graphic design stuff. Pine Mountain Settlement School will be definitely gearing towards communications and website stuff, but also they have some of the fastest internet in Harlan County, so they need someone to take care of it and make sure everything works on the IT end. Then we have the Kentucky River Community Care, they're wanting a little bit of both. They're starting to host their website themselves locally, so they're going to definitely need lots of staff for that. But then they're also doing a lot with uh, expanding and growing a lot, so they need more brochures for more clients. They need some uh, instructional material for some of the staff, and just making sure that their communications is stronger and better and happening
0: right yeah every day i see something new that krcc is doing they just opened a shop in hazard a retail space it looks like a thrift store type location and they're going to have artist space in there as well and they're getting their hands in all kinds of interesting things so that would be really fun to be part of oh yeah yeah so basically we're looking at it troubleshooting building that kind of thing and graphic design marketing communications.
1: Yeah, that's the gist of it. ARH, you know, their their whole system, with the laws that were coming out, they have to have 100% electronic health records. They're having a whole proprietary custom system put in, and it's going to integrate everything, from their billing to someone walking in to everything. And so they're going to need people... That are going to be trained in this to work with all sorts of other staff, even clients coming in. So they're going to be used a lot. And that's a, a lot of growth. So we're definitely preparing students for those positions as well. ARH has been around a while and they're not going anywhere. So that's a good, safe place to be.
0: Yeah, we always need doctors and hospitals. <laughs> There's no getting away from that. But Let's talk a little bit about cost, because I know when we think of continuing our education or changing fields, a lot of times we worry about both time and cost, especially if we're already having to support a family. That's really a big deal. So what is a student looking at in terms of time and cost for this program?
1: You know, I really don't know the exact cost at Southeast, but I've known many people that have gone to Southeast and never paid a dime. And so even if you had to take out a student loan, it's only a semester of of full-time classes that you'd have to finance. With a job at the end of it, it seems like it could be a pretty safe bet to do something like that. But like I said, financial aid has helped many people that I've known. And so I would say everyone that's signing up so far would fall into that exact same category. And if they don't, the local community action programs like LKLP or Harlan County uh, Community Action Administration, CAA, this is listed on their ETPL list, which is basically a statewide system saying that this is a program for training for employment. And it's an option there as well. I've also heard that they do offer up transportation assistance such as gas cards. So people traveling to and from can pay for their gas that way. So in the end, I, I think costs will be pretty stable and not too drastic. But of course, time off work to take the classes may interfere, which brings us into time. We talked about the two different certificates that are gonna be, we're going through, the IT one and the creative marketing one. The networking one, the IT one, there's going to be one class that's in person and every other class will be online. So not too much definite time commitment at this time, at this day, so they can do it on their open time at home or at the library or wherever. The other creative marketing certificate will be in-person classes that students will have to go to. It'll be one class on Monday and Wednesday, and then two classes in person on Tuesday, Thursday.
0: So that's one semester, which is basically six months-ish?
1: January, February, March, April and may finish up so 5 months
0: yeah and then 6 months internship
1: after that would be a 6 month internship and i'm in the process of getting that as a paid situation
0: oh okay that was my next question is is it paid yeah
1: i'm working towards that it's not finalized but i feel good that it should be accepted and i mean if there's jobs at the end of this our partners should feel good about signing someone up to get paid
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And I I can say the uniqueness of this opportunity is on the job learning, too. My first career was a middle school teacher, and I graduated with a bachelor's degree in English and creative writing and went straight to teaching without ever having had a class in education. I was put by myself in a classroom. (laughs) And I can say over those four years, I did obtain my master's degree, but being in the thick of it and having having to do it and was a really good motivator and getting to apply what i'd learned right away also helped me i think solidify that knowledge in my mind i think this is a really unique opportunity because sometimes we can feel like we're wasting time with a lot of school when we're not getting to apply it and it's just books all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to stay stay away from that exact situation. Mm-hmm. Just streamline. This is going to introduce you to exactly what you're probably going to be using. And then you're going to actually go in and use that. So I'd want to cut out all the other stuff. And I agree. When you're thrown in the thick and you have to it's you can sink or swim... But also, in this situation, the good thing, too, is you're not going to be alone. There's going to be someone there to help you out, and they're going to be actively training you. So that was another situation. If the interns are paid by a third party and not the actual employer, the employer is a little more happy to say, Hey, supervisor, just give these guys a little bit more training on this. Like It's more open to that. It's more back and forth and fluid. So uh, everyone's on board and happy. And
0: and it's at no real risk to them, really, the employer, if it's set up that way. That's a good thing.
1: I also know, like, I did a lot of filmmaking over the years. And I can also say books will never teach you anything that a mistake will. So uh, when you start le- learning those mistakes, you learn better. It sticks with you. And the only way to learn those is by doing and being on the job and putting boots on the ground or anything you want to, all those sayings. Right,
0: right. So what kind of space are we looking at for the program? How many people will be accepted to get certified?
1: We're hoping to get 30 into the program.
0: When would the program start?
1: Classes start on Monday, January 9th, so not too far. Right after Christmas, we get going.
0: Okay. Great. So there's still open spots and plenty of time to apply.
1: You definitely want to apply on our website, just so we can communicate with you, you can communicate with us, and we can help you if you need help. So we're just there to, you know, help you out. But you will have to enroll at the college, which I've had friends go there on one day and be enrolled in classes on the same day. So their admissions office is great and an incredible resource.
0: What is the website?
1: It's a strange one.
0: Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but
1: if you go to appleshop.org, you can find it on our page. Uh, underneath our programs, it'll say minds to minds. Mm-hmm. I know that's hard to say, but it's it's on there, and it's much easier to read.
0: I remember, my first computer was a Commodore 64, and it came with a little book of programming code, and you would spend hours putting in that code because, of course, you couldn't type. And it would have a smiley face jumping on the screen, but I had to put a sticker on the side. It said to error is human, but to really mess things up takes a computer. So definitely <laughs> see the need for IT there and wonky websites and and all of the above. Let's talk about the name for just a second. Minds to minds. One thing that really strikes me that is a common misunderstanding from people on the outside is that mining is just a laborious task. Like it's very manual physical. And while that is true, mechanization and all sorts of regulation and environmental considerations and all that has made that a highly skilled job now. So we're talking about men who not only are used to physical labor, but also used to using their mind in uh, very risky types of situations. So, let's talk A- And about their the attention choice. to
1: detail, right? You yeah. want to stay safe, so you have to pay attention to everything around you. Mm. The air, the ground, the rocks above you, you pay attention to all of it, so that attention to detail is uh, incredible.
0: So why the name choice, Minds to Minds, given that I don't like it. <laughs>
1: no, no, the name choice. Yeah. Is definitely, um, that whole idea of shifting our economy. It's not so much the individual. It's about shifting the economy, the downturn. Uh, many sources are saying it may not come up. So what should we do? We know no one's going to come in and help us. We have to help ourselves. So, Apple Shop's trying to take a proactive role and create a new economy or add a piece to the economy to uh, better better our community.
0: And that's one thing, I think, too, that we can look at in terms of it being technology-related. Technology's going nowhere. It's only going to advance. And there's not going to be downturns (laughs) in technology. That's going to be a pretty solid and also a transportable career if you find you can't stay here. That's a skill that you're always going to have as an asset, then.
1: Yeah, yeah. These skills, even if you shift your focus a bit, you can use these skills that we're developing in other professions than what they're geared for. So if you are in, get into some of the communications, that doesn't mean that you can't get into management and coordinate someone to do the communications. So it all builds on additional skills that you can use in whatever profession you end up in the future.
0: It's definitely a resume builder there.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely a resume builder.
0: I know a lot of coal miners. My dad is one, and he's in his early 60s and still working. And part of that is because of the ups and downs of the coal industry. He's had to change companies so many times that he can't retire yet. And right now he's driving an hour and a half. That's one way. So I see a lot of people talking about, I'm too old to switch a career, or I'm 45 years old. Why should I go back to college? There's nothing else I can do. What would you say to those people who I know college labels, especially community college, I went to a year to the Big Sandy when it was Prestonsburg Community College, but They would call the older students non-traditional students. (laughs) So what would you say to us non-traditional students?
1: I hate the word. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this really is more for you. If somebody really wants to have these additional skills and a job to apply those skills, this is for you. I really don't care how old anybody is. This is all about interest. I have a friend, he he always says, like, interest will take you a lot further than anything else. If you have an interest in something, run with it and go with it. So this is also reaching out to anybody that has that interest but just never had the opportunity. Well, now's your chance to get on board and uh, develop those skills and get into a job that interests you.
0: And you're really just talking just under a year of time and depending on the certification You could still work part of that time while you're earning this certification. And for those of us who are parents, if you think of it in the life of your kid, how fast did that first year go by? Yeah. You know, a year really in this whole scheme of things isn't a lot to sacrifice to have a whole new pathway that you can use to stay home.
1: Well, let's just say it's even just five months because six months will be on the job. So it's almost like you are working already. So five months, if you really add it up, it would just be almost five months of training.
0: So are there any special requirements for those who apply?
1: There is a few requirements, but I've never been told what they are. It's very complicated in order for uh, our partners to pay for the internship, you would have to fall into certain guidelines. Basically, they have like 10 pots of money, and they have to place people into each one of those pots. And so they they have to figure out which pot that goes into, so they cannot tell me what the requirements are.
0: So they're just basically going to plug you in.
1: They're basically going to plug you in. I have a feeling that almost everyone would be eligible that would be interested in applying, mm-hmm. especially if anyone's looking for work. Maybe some people that are currently employed might have uh, a couple issues, but if it's at a job that they don't want to stick with, and, or maybe they're getting ready to be fired, or maybe it's uh, just an entry-level position somewhere, you still might fall into a different category. So we're not ruling out anybody, and I would say lots of people would be eligible.
0: And as far as registering at the college, you have to have a high school diploma or a GED, correct?
1: I believe that's true.
0: And what about ACT and SAT tests?
1: I don't think they go through with those. I think the college does have their own tests, but at the same time, their admissions people want you to get involved. They want you to grow more skills. So they're going to try and get you in any way they can. So it's
0: more of a unique type of situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. They are definitely there to help you and get you in. You might have to get, say, your high school transcripts or GED or whatever is shown to them, but that's really not that hard. Of course, when you're going through the classes, you do have to pass the classes to continue on. I mean, that should be expected, right?
0: I'm Kelly Haywood, and you are listening to Mountain Talk Monday on WMMT, real stories, Real News, Real People Radio, brought to you straight from the heart of central Appalachia. Thanks for listening.
2: New data shows
1: there's been a dramatic increase in the number of coal miners diagnosed with the worst form of black lung. The story begins in Pike County, Kentucky, where Dr. James Brandon Crum will introduce us to a minor who is fighting for breath. So this is what an x-ray of of you and I, or a normal person, should look like. And you contrast that to the individual, which we'll be talking to today, and you can see the significant difference. There's these large conglomerate masses consistent with complicated black
2: lung. And this individual is 38 years old.
3: My name's Mackey. Branham Junior, and I've got right at 19 years underground. I come straight out of school, turned down full scholarship to go to college because I knowed I go straight in and make good money because I wanted to start my own family. The more I talk, the more I get out of breath. And it's like me trying to blow up like a new balloon It's just a lot of pressure. I can no longer provide for my family, and I can't do nothing around the house like I normally would. It tires your nerves up.
2: I'm Amber Branham. I'm married to Mackie Branham Jr. I am a waitress at Golden Ring Diner and a mother of five. It's just a hard thing to watch because I've seen a strong man go from being so strong to work six, seven days a week, all the hours they want, down to having to be home 24 7 because he can't stay in the weather outside.
3: I'm Mac Benham. Um, yes, am his son. Tom's when I was younger, I'd forget what he looked like because he was always at work. I was what they called a company man. I did what they wanted, I worked. 70-some days straight without a, a day off, 15, 16 hours a day because he was making a big move.
2: Many a nights did he not come home for two days. He would lay over there, take a shower, and go back in for the next shift if they didn't have somebody over there. And they know that. That's the thing that makes me mad and upset about it. He worked himself to the bone for them. And now when the favors should be repaid back, they fight him. Tooth and nail. They have the money and the lawyers to prolong it as long as they want to, to keep us from getting his benefits, keep from having to pay that comp and black lung out.
3: A lot of people don't know what it's like to have your babies sitting there and you can't even hardly put food on your table because it takes So many doctors and so many judges to just tell somebody that they're in bad enough need to have help.
2: Can't draw unemployment, can't draw disability, fighting for that black lung with everything he has in him. Ten months we've been fighting for it. Still not a dime from unemployment, Social Security, or black lung so far. Everyone fought us.
3: They're just trying to do what's best for the company, but they need to think more about the families.
2: I'm hoping that Alpha and them have a heart. Let him draw out what he is owed.
3: I can't provide for nobody no more. That takes my manhood away.
2: It doesn't take your manhood away. This family, as you see, the kids respect well, takes, every bit of him. It
3: takes my pride away, all
4: right?
2: He's not the only coal miner that feels that way. There is hundreds of men out there that think that that, oh, I can't provide, so I'm worthless. They're not worthless because their family loves them, and they want them to be here as long as they can have them here. But in their eyes, they get depressed because they can't do what they've always done.
3: Mine's a little bit different than that. It's knowing I'm not going to get better without their transplants. And it's not knowing how I'm going to be if I don't get them.
2: I'm sure there's hundreds of men out there like him. Because he's not the only one that had that put in his lungs. So I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of men out there that are in the same shape he is, fighting for their benefits. We'll be lucky if he sees it.
5: My name is Evan Smith. I'm an attorney at Appalachian Citizens Law Center here in Whitesburg, Kentucky. We're having a lot more severe black lung than even our worst nightmares. What the doctors say is that there's multiple factors going on here. We have people who are working longer hours being exposed to more dust and mining seams of coal that are thinner, and so you're bringing a lot more sandstone and other rocks.
3: All the black lung coming out. I see a lot of them, they can't find jobs. What else are they going to do? They're gonna to try to sign up on their black lung. And then that puts people, I ain't say it like me, that was pulled because of the black lung. So further down on the list, it hurts me. But I can't blame them. They're doing what they gotta to do to provide for their family also.
2: When he was younger, it was either be a co-miner or leave home. And we don't even have that choice anymore. So it's leave home.
3: All the co-mining jobs is gone. The co-miners has nothing else. To go for, but to sign up on their black lung if they've got it.
2: I make in a week what he made in two days. And here it is Christmas, and it's hard to be able to tell them, like, hey, mommy and bub will do what we can, Santa will bring what he can, and if not, then we'll do our best when we can. You could probably go to 15 houses up the creek and you'll hear the same story, whether it be black lung or whether it just been plain straight laid off. Everyone at Elkhorn Creek has been affected by it.
5: The stress that that puts on the entire extended family, on the church community, on just really our entire region, it's really scary. And, you know, when we talk about the legacy cost of the industry and the problems that we're going to have as our economy transitions, those individual household economics are just a huge piece of it. Now, our nation has made the choice that we're going to try to move away from coal, but the people who dug the coal already, we can't move away from them.
3: If I had it to do over, I would do it again, if that's what it took to provide for my family as long as I have.
1: That story was produced by Benny Becker and was part of a collaborative investigation with NPR. Branham and his family received word on Tuesday that a state judge had ruled in their favor. Branham says he's hopeful that the first payment could come
2: before Christmas. The Ohio Valley Resource is made possible with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and WMMT.
0: to Mountain Talk Monday, and I'm your host, Kelly Haywood, and today we have been talking with Sean Lynn, who is the director of the Minds to Minds program, which is providing a special sort of training for those who are looking to change careers. Maybe you've been laid off from the mining industry and aren't sure if you're going to be able to return I know that's a big if uh, for us right now and maybe you are in a career that doesn't feel like it's a fit for you and you want to keep your options open and Maybe some of you just don't want to leave to find other careers. Maybe you want to stay home. Minds to Minds is attempting to offer you an option. And that would be special training to involve you in work with technology, which, as we were talking about earlier, is not going to go anywhere. It's just going to keep growing. There will be more jobs added to that in the future. We have employers ready to take you on and do on-the-job training, all kinds of interesting things. Let's talk about for a minute how technology in the mountains is changing. I know one of the things I hear all the time is that they'll get something in Lexington and then maybe 10 years later we'll have it in eastern Kentucky. (laughs) How is that with technology? Are we up to par with the rest of the country?
1: I mean, Technology can be looked at both ways. One, it since we have the Internet, we can have access to anything else that anyone else in the world has access to. On the other hand, maybe our Internet speeds are not as high as other places, or they cost more for the same exact service. Um, that's just the nature of how many customers per mile there are providers in, say, Lexington or Cincinnati can provide that at a cheaper rate because there's more customers available. It's a bad situation where we do have to be uh, later to receive the same things on that end, just that whole infrastructure. But also, there are things we can create here using technology just the same as anywhere else. I know there's a company in Harlan County that has developed software right in Harlan County. And now the company was bought by a large software company as well. So the people that developed that software are doing really well.
0: This is something that is transportable, in that, really, location doesn't matter in a lot of situations when you're using technology as your work. Would you say that's a.
1: Yeah, yeah. Decision? Technology, you know, you can use it anywhere, you can uh, use the same technology that anyone else is using. These digital tools can be at your disposal today, just as the same as anywhere else. So it's a great opportunity because lots of other places will be using the same tools as well.
0: I'm sure BitSource is one of the first tech companies to open around here with the goal of retraining coal miners. And they've seen some success and have been covered all over by media. And then we have companies like Teleworks that are connecting people with customer service type jobs, I believe it is.
1: Teleworks actually opens up into all sorts of technology-related jobs. Okay. So it's not only just customer service. I was scrolling through there not too long ago. They have web design companies wanting people to program websites. And you can do that at home. That's the whole idea is teleworks, works from home over the telephone, if you will, but not telephone. Just using telecommunications to get there.
0: So how does mons to mons differ from teleworks and BitSource?
1: It actually lines a lot up with BitSource. With teleworks, it's more just a network of like a classified section of your newspaper. But there's people there to help you find your skills with the employer that has listed their classified ad in a way. Now, BitSource, we're trying to do similar to what they did. One thing is they took people with no experience and started on-the-job training right away. We're trying to create a small buffer so uh, individuals will have some experience in the classroom to take those skills and use them at the employer as well as build new skills at the employer. So it's a lot like BitSource, but we're just adding an additional component in the beginning.
0: One of the things that we talk about a lot when we're looking at a transitioning economy is that more of us are going to have to think of ourselves as entrepreneurs and create our own jobs. And I'm wondering, I hear a lot from the businesses here in Whitesburg and other small communities around that the ability to find someone to take on graphic design for you like design your logo and print you some cards, or create an awning in the front of your shop, or even just to put the vinyl lettering on your door. It can take a lot to find that, and then when you do, you're either outsourcing it through the internet, or it's so costly, and it isn't kind of what you expected so I'm thinking that the graphic design and marketing certification could be an opportunity to go into business for yourself would that be enough training to accomplish something like that
1: yeah if someone really has the drive and the interest this could really open up that avenue we did build in a entrepreneurship class into both certificates for that very reason that somebody may be interested in going in that direction I know we're not teaching, say, computer programming straight up, but that doesn't mean that once you're introduced to it, it starts to come naturally. So I'd be happy to help anyone further in that direction if that's where they want to go after this training.
0: We're in a unique time in our communities because there are some resources there to financially support us in opening our own businesses. We have places like Maced. There's the small business outlet there at the community college that helps people to source finances to open their own business with very little collateral.
1: And some additional training and just, you know, just to help you out if you have any questions.
0: Yeah, even with writing the business plan. I know that that usually is the most intimidating part for some people. You can have a good idea, but getting it on paper is sometimes a challenge. So I know that they definitely help with that as well. So there's a lot you could do with this kind of certification beyond the employers that you have lined up and ready to assist.
1: We also didn't close our doors yet, so we still have a few employers that I'm currently talking to. They just haven't been able to commit right now, but that's not to say that they might not commit in a month or when we're ready for interns to join. So there's going to be lots of opportunities, even more than what I just listed. Even branching out and going on your own is a perfect opportunity for somebody.
0: Since this, I guess, is kind of like a pilot program, right? Yeah, it's it's a test.
1: First run. run. It's a pilot. Um, But I think if everyone is working together for the same goal, I think we can make this a very successful pilot program.
0: And what would it depend on to see it continue? Like if there's another 30 people that don't get a seat this time, will they have another opportunity to sign up?
1: That's a great question. Currently, uh, I can't answer that question. I'd say the hardest part was finding those employers committed to hiring somebody. And I'm not sure if the same employers will be committed to hire more individuals or if there will be more opportunities to hire those individuals. A lot of the people trying to create a tech industry in the area are wanting to get together and have a conversation about how we can grow that. Grow that whole industry and uh, to some extent say that we can do that here. We don't have to be in New York City. We don't have to be in Chicago. We don't have to be in Austin, Texas or anything. We can do it right here. We are definitely, just like you said, BitSource has got a lot of momentum uh, with the media and whatnot. And they're doing great work and creating great products. I was there not too long ago and they showed a, a little bit of what they were doing. And it's really incredible what they're doing. And I can't praise those programmers enough. They're doing great work.
0: I imagine, I know a lot of things here catch on by word of mouth. So after the pilot program, if if the employers are happy with the work that the students are doing and feel confident that their employees were trained well, you never know who they might tell and who might then get interested, I guess, and grow the possibilities.
1: Exactly. Yeah, this program could continue. And uh, if there's lots of people interested, we can probably make something happen.
0: So again, if someone is interested, what should they do first?
1: First thing is there's a very simple application on Apple Shop's website. So appalshop.org. And then you can find Minds to Minds under Programs. And there's a very simple application if you have any questions, you can always call Apple Shop and ask for me or shoot me an email. It's on the website as well.
0: Let's give Apple Shop's phone number. It's 606-633-0108. And you'll get Patsy or Evelyn or somebody will answer the phone. And you just ask for Sean Lynn and they'll put you in contact with Sean. Sometimes Sean answers the phone.
1: I answer quite a bit, especially in the mornings yeah. when no one's here.
0: Yeah. So if you want to talk to as little people as possible, call in the morning. Call about eight
1: o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I also want to say that WMMT, when we post this show to the website, will put links to everything that you need to fill out the application, the phone number, Sean's email. All of that will be right there. If you want to listen to the program again or just find that as a resource, so we're wmmt.org. So again, let's remind everyone of when the deadline is to apply.
1: Our deadline will be January 5th, so we're going to actually have an orientation on January 6th about the program and uh, just let you know who's involved and uh, what sort of jobs to expect just to get you oriented into the program. And then classes will start on Monday, January 9th.
0: So there's still several weeks left to apply. Don't get caught up with Christmas and New Year's and forget. Do it right away if you're hearing this program and you're interested. What does it hurt to send in an application?
1: And it's really, really easy. It's basically just a way for us to get up with you and just gauge your interest in technology.
0: Well, it's been a pleasure to have you in the studio, Sean, and talking about Minds to Minds. I'm very excited about all the opportunities and the ideas that are being thrown around right now to help us lift ourselves up and start something new. It's encouraging, and as a parent thinking about the future of my children, I'm encouraged to see us trying these new things. So I thank you for coming in today.
1: And Thank you for having me.
0: And again, that was Sean Lynn, director of Minds to Minds. And you will be able to find everything you need if you're interested in the program at appleshop.org. That's A-P-P-A-L-Shop.org. And find the Minds to Minds link. And also, all the information will be put on the WMMT website. And that's WMMT. To all of you out there, thank you for listening. This has been Mountain Talk Monday, and I've been your host, Kelly Haywood. Have a wonderful evening. Over the past several months, clinics across Appalachia have been telling NPR the same thing again and again. Something is terribly wrong. There are more and more cases of the worst stage of the deadly coal miner's disease, black lung. A hundred cases were officially reported across the country in the last five years, and federal researchers confirmed a recent sharp spike in one clinic in Kentucky. But the clinics contacted by NPR report a 1,000 cases across four states. Here's NPR's Howard Burkus.
4: One of those case files carries the name Mackie Branham, and he was one tough coal miner. In 19 years underground, the 39-year-old from Elkhorn Creek, Kentucky, ran monstrous mining machines. Sometimes he worked double shifts and seven straight days. His gallbladder was removed one day, He says he was back at work the next. But listen to Branham now, struggling to breathe, struggling to talk about a family legacy of black lung.
3: I'll probably be the first one to be this bad in the family. And what do you mean, this bad? For it to actually be this progressive and in this bad of shape. I mean, don't get me wrong. They can't breathe, but they can still get up and walk around and do stuff. The more I talk, the more I get out of breath. It's just a lot of
4: pressure in my chest all the time. Branham sits in a clinic in Colerun Village, Kentucky. A computer screen shows an x ray of his damaged lungs with large knots of fibrotic tissue. The image lights up his tired face, reddened eyes and the reflective stripes on his blue miner's pants. He still wears them, he says, even though he stopped working in March.
3: And I probably will to the day I die. I've always been a co miner, and if they would give me lungs to where I could go back tomorrow, I would. It's just in my blood.
4: He has progressive massive fibrosis or complicated black lung. It's the worst stage of the disease. It's incurable and it's fatal. Miners get it from inhaling coal mine dust and it hit Branham at a much younger age and is getting worse more quickly than what used to be typical. There's nothing typical, says Brandon Crumb, the clinic's radiologist, about the disease he's detecting now.
1: I think the percentage of um, black lung that we're seeing now here in Central Appalachia is unprecedented in any recorded data that I can find anywhere. In this clinic, we're we're roughly around nine to ten percent complicated rate, which is around three times higher than even the highest reported numbers.
4: Federal researchers test thousands of minors for the disease, and they've reported ninety nine cases of complicated black lung across the entire country in the last five years. And yet Crum's little clinic alone, in just the last two years, diagnosed 70 cases. NPR checked other clinics across Appalachia. 11 responded, from Virginia to Pennsylvania. Combined, they told us, they've diagnosed 962 cases so far this decade. That's 10 times the official count. Something's going on.
3: Something's something, something has happened that has caused these numbers.
4: Ron Carson manages three clinics in Virginia, which report 644 cases of complicated black lung in just the last three years. He used to see it in miners in their 60s and 70s with decades underground. Now they're as young as 30 with less than 10 years of mining. I'm not an epidemiologist or a scientist or a doctor. I just see the, the results That comes through the doors, and something is going on. Something major is going on. Brandon Crum in Kentucky was so alarmed, he convinced the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health to investigate. Epidemiologist Scott Laney is publishing findings tomorrow.
1: The current numbers are unprecedented by any historical standard. We have not seen cases of this magnitude ever before um, in history in, in central Appalachia. The numbers of cases that we were seeing, and then with these additional cases, far exceeds anything that that we were aware of. So what happened?
4: First of all, the federal researchers tracking the disease have missed hundreds of cases. By law, their tracking program only x-rays working miners, and the testing is voluntary. Virginia miner Charles Stanley spent 30 years mining coal, but didn't get his first chest x-ray until he was out of work.
3: If you're working and you go and have that stuff done and they find, and the company finds out about it, they'll find a way to get rid of you. As long as you're working and producing your an asset. But now when you get something wrong with you, you become a liability.
4: And they'll find a way to get rid of you. That's actually against the law, says Bruce Wattsman of the National Mining Association. Those results are not shared with any employer. It's at the miner's discretion the way the program operates today when and if to divulge that information. Still, the risk is widely believed and feared. More than 80% of Kentucky's coal miners stay away from the government's testing program, according to the program's reports. So most working miners are missing from the federal count, along with those retired or laid off. More than 40,000 lost their jobs since 2010, 600 mines closed with little hope of reopening. Miners then go to clinics, hoping they'll qualify for black lung payments and health care. Last year alone, 3,000 showed up at Ron Carson's Virginia clinics.
3: I'm seeing miners now feeling that there is no hope. And now that they are unemployed or the coal mine laid off or shut down, well, I need to go and see about my black lung benefits. So they come in the door, and we do the chest x-rays, and there it is.
4: So there are more cases now of progressive massive fibrosis, of complicated black lung, because more minors are getting tested.
1: But anyway that you cut it, this is more disease, because we haven't seen numbers of this magnitude.
4: Pulmonologist Robert Cohen of the University of Illinois at Chicago has tracked black lung for 30 years.
1: And I can't say that I've heard really anything worse than this in my career.
4: Cohen is so alarmed by NPR's count that he's planning a thorough study of black lung clinics nationwide to get an accurate number of sick minors like Mackie Brannon, who's left gasping for air and grasping for words.
3: Me, I've never been scared of death. It don't bother me a bit. It's just not seeing my kids grow up, but if I had it to do over, I would do it again, if that's what it took to provide for my family
4: as long as I have. Branham hopes for a lung transplant, which may give him five to ten more years of life. Howard Burkus NPR News. Okay, we'll do one more. Ready? In a black lung clinic in St. Charles, Virginia, former coal miner Dennis Maggard places a tube in his mouth and tries to exhale hard.
0: Deep breath in. Blow hard. Keep on blowing out. Keep blowing out. Keep blowing out. Keep blowing out. out. And breathe back in.
4: Respiratory therapist Denise Glass gives Maggard bad news.
0: That one got you. You ended up
1: Blown out 16% out of 100. Well, it would be the same if you got a 16 on your report card. Pretty bad. When you
4: say bad, what do you mean?
1: 70 to 100 is considered normal.
4: 60 and below is disabling. Black Lung is stealing Maggard's ability to breathe. He's among hundreds of minors showing up at clinics across Appalachia with severe cases of Black Lung far more than federal researchers have reported. Coal mine closures and layoffs have more miners seeking testing and black lung benefits, and the stories they tell explain their disease. Maggard had more tests to undergo, so we sat down with Charles Stanley, who inhaled so much mine dust underground, he labeled his mining machine the Dust Dragon.
3: Well, you kept getting less coal and more rock. So you're cutting 19 inches of coal, you're cutting... 50, 60 inches rock. And you had
4: to keep cutting more rock, cutting more rock, cutting more rock, and cutting more rock. The more rock you cut, the more dust you're gonna eat. There's so much rock cut with coal because the big coal seams are just about gone in Appalachia. The thin seams that remain are embedded in rock, and that rock is mostly quartz containing silica. Mine dust with silica is far more lethal than coal dust alone. There's also the practice of slope mining, where crews cut solid rock to reach coal seams. Mackie Branham did that in Kentucky for six straight months.
3: I worked 14, 16-hour shifts until he put another shift on.
4: Was this coal dust or rock dust? Pure rock dust. And were you breathing that dust during that time?
3: Well, I had my respirators on, and you'd actually have to remove it to help take a breath. Every once in a while because of dust. Packed so much around your fielders and stuff. You couldn't get no higher in. So yeah, uh, quite a bit.
4: Mine dust is supposed to be controlled. Robust ventilation to sweep it away, water sprays to tamp it down, and protective masks. But those things don't always work, says Kentucky miner Barney Stanton. Companies that I work for most of them were really good, I
3: mean, far as giving you things that you needed to try to protect yourself. But they don't work like they should. It's hard to wear a mask and
4: do a physical job. Uh, just trying to do your job, you breathe so hard, the dust will come in around the mask. And it was risky, says Mackie Branham, to stop mining machines to make adjustments for excessive dust.
3: The mining is a numbers game. If you don't produce coal... They'll put somebody else in your spot that can. If I've got another man on the other side of the mines, he's cutting more coal than me, it's not going to look good on me. So, I mean, I just thought about my family, to be honest with you.
4: There are new and tougher federal limits on mine dust exposure. They just fully took effect in August. They get even tougher when there's excessive silica, and they were vigorously opposed by the National Mining Association. But the group's Bruce Wattsman says miners are exposed to less silica now. I think we're talking about historic exposures and not the exposures that we're seeing today. I think the miners that are working today are better protected because the silica levels have come down They're down 50% since 2009, according to the Federal Mine Safety and Health Administration, which is directed by Joe Main.
3: I think if the rules are followed as they are prescribed, we would not have these diseases. I really believe that. Now, the question is, is the strength of the rules that are in place adequate enough to protect miners? I think that's the question of the day.
4: Well, there are some holes in the new rules when it comes to silica. It can take a week or more to detect silica in dust samples, So excessive exposure isn't quickly addressed. And federal data continue to show excessive silica in some mines. It'll also be a decade or more before the effectiveness of the new rules is known, because it takes that long to detect the disease in lungs. In the meantime, there are the thousand cases NPR has identified, more are likely uncounted.
5: We've made some progress towards reducing the dust, but we have these people that it's too late for the new regulations to help them.
4: Evan Smith is an attorney in Whitesburg, Kentucky, who helps minors file for black lung benefits.
5: You're just putting more people into the system that need compensation. And so the more people we have moving into the system, the more potential burden it places on the taxpayers due to the increase in minors getting severe black lung.
4: And with younger minors diagnosed, black lung benefits payments and health care may be required longer. There may be more demand for expensive lung transplants, which concerns Democratic Congressman Bobby Scott of Virginia.
2: The treatments run from a half million to a million dollars. So if
4: there are cases out there that have not been counted, then we have a lot of expenses that we don't expect to be there will be coming. And so we have to get the numbers straight and to make sure that they're being properly reported. Scott worries about the Federal Black Lung Trust Fund, which is close to $6 billion in debt. It's taken on a 1,000 claims that were supposed to be covered by mining companies, but they went bankrupt. The coal tax that supports the fund is set for a 50% cut in two years. And if the Affordable Care Act is repealed, miners will lose a specific black lung benefits provision that makes it much easier to qualify. Life without benefits and a paycheck has been tough for Mackie Branham, who is severely sick, seeking a lung transplant, and struggling to support five kids. I'm in bad
3: shape, man. I mean, I can no longer provide for my family, and I can't get out and do nothing around the house like I normally would with them.
4: It tires your nerves up. Just this week, Branham got good news. He was approved for state benefits, and is hoping for a quick first check so he'll be able to buy presents for his kids for Christmas. Howard Berkus, NPR News.
0: This series was completed as part of a collaboration with Benny Becker of WMMT and the Ohio Valley Resource.